Welcome to another Florida Basketball Hours, Episode 2. Uh, tonight's show is going to be a couple segments. We're going to have Eric Fawcett on from Gator Country. We're going to talk a little bit about the SEC and how it's sort of become a basketball league. Uh, all those teams in the NCAA tournament this year and a lot of expectations that the league will repeat that feat in 2018-2019. We'll, we'll, we'll get into the league a little bit. Um, then I have an interview with Kevin Brockway, a longtime Gator beat writer from the Gainesville Sun, and he's going to talk about a variety of topics from uh, Mike White's culture to to recruiting to what has sort of made the SEC the league that it is. So we uh, are glad that you're joining us, and I'm excited to get going. Hey there. Hey, Eric. How's it going? No, I'm doing well. How are you today? Uh, can't complain. Can't complain. Just had a, a long weekend in Chicago, so got got my share of, of uh, autumn weather and doing a lot better now. Oh, nice. Uh, so I, I had a chance to talk to Kevin Brockway, which I'll, I'll include some of that uh, recording in the show, but one of the things that, that he talked about was sort of what happened in that in the SEC, because we talked about last week how sort of when we both got real into Florida basketball, you know, the Gators got good and it was sort of Kentucky and Florida and then a cliff and a Grand Canyon between the other programs in the league. Right. Not really like that anymore. No. Um, you know, this could be another year where we're talking about seven, maybe eight SEC teams making the NCAA tournament. Oh yeah, definitely, and probably, uh, probably a lot of higher seeds too than uh, than last year. I think where last year was a little, little bit of, you know, we got a lot of teams in, but um, not a lot of great seeds. Where this year, I think we'll have just as many teams or more, but um, some even better seeds. Is there anybody? I mean, Kentucky's the obvious one with with uh, the transfer from Stanford that gives them a little more roster balance than than Calipari has had but what are what are you know a couple of other teams that sort of stick out to you in the preseason as as being obviously you know destined to have really good years uh, well I mean when you, you when you see just who returns everyone I guess it's uh, you look at Tennessee bringing back a lot of the guys <laughs> from uh, from that team um, I do wonder though if if uh, if Tennessee just maybe uh, maybe like peaked earlier um, than they were kind of expected to. And, and maybe I'm not expecting them to take like another major leap. Like some people might think like Grant Williams was awesome, but um, I, I, I'm just not sure if I could see him, you know, being any better or like admirable Admiral Schofield. Like, can I see him being even better? So I just, I do wonder if they're, uh, they're maybe a little bit uh, kind of just like they reach their peak and they'll be just as good, which is still great. But um uh, I, I wonder if I see them kind of challenging um, at the top. I, I'm not totally sure I do. Um, and then I'm, I'm, you know, obviously pretty interested by LSU, who might have the best point guard in the uh, um, in the conference. And uh, I, I'm a little bit. Uh, uh, I still see them as pretty young. Um, they've got a really talented recruiting class, obviously. But uh, I, I wonder, uh, I wonder how they'll do with uh, relying on a on a young front court. You don't want to ever be too reliant on a front court that's uh, that's too young because. You know those uh, front court players usually take a little more, little while more to uh, um, to develop. Hey, they'll be uh, they'll be fun to watch. That's for sure. <laughs> the one thing about about Will Wade's team, I think that you know, because expectations are pretty ridiculous. Um, 
at least locally. I don't I don't know if nationally maybe it's his biggest story yet. Uh, but there's certainly people that think they're going to take a sizable jump largely because of the influx of talent with the recruiting class. And then just because some of the guys that return are so good, you know, I, I don't know if they're, I think Tremont what's Tremont waters, probably one of the best guards in the country. Um, and, and his stat line was ridiculous. That kind of thing I wonder about a guy like that is, you know, he's kind of somebody that, that takes the league by storm last year as a freshman and wasn't really all that expected. And he's another guy that kind of fits that Admiral Schofield type mold in the sense of, like, can he play better than that? Right. I mean, he averaged 16 points a game. He shot 42% from the field, 35% from from beyond the arc. Uh, he's going to have more help, so maybe that's something, but – you know, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. I, I I don't think I've seen what I think top five recruiting class. You know, it's easy to see why expectations are great, but then if you look at the way they played down the stretch last year, it wasn't like they got a lot better as the year went along. They kind of were pretty steady at at you know winning a couple games and then losing a game that you never thought they'd lose. Well, yeah, and they uh, they obviously they really really struggled to defend. They weren't a good defensive team at all. And um, the one uh, they had one really good defensive player, and that was uh, that was the big man Reith, and he graduated. So um, you take a team that was bad defensively, um, take the one kind of anchor they had, and um, you know in that place they're going to have a bunch of freshman front court players. So to me that that kind of is a, a bit of a recipe for another really bad, um, really bad defensive teams. Uh, obviously, Tremont Waters is an awesome offensive guard, but he's given up a whole lot of size and. Uh, maybe wasn't a great perimeter defender last year. And uh, uh, he, a lot of his mistakes had to be, uh, you know, Dwap Reith um, cleaning up for him and he's gone now. And uh, will, uh, will a freshman, you know, Williams be able to clean that up? I, I, I don't think he will in the same way. So uh, yeah, you'll have to watch to see if they can get stops from anybody. Right. They end up, they finished the year losing. Yeah. I mean, they lost like seven of their last 11 games. So they weren't wow. a particularly, or sorry, seven of their last 12, but still, Five and seven down the stretch, eighteen and fifteen overall, and you know you've you've identified probably their best defender has graduated. Probably their second best defender is tragically killed. Right. Uh, so you know, and that can and those things can inspire a team, and I hope it does. Uh, but but I still don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for them to to necessarily take this sort of leap. One team that interests me is Missouri, um, just because. Well, for one, I think Quanzo Barton's a really good coach. Mm. Um, but mainly because I think if they can figure out who replaces all the scoring, because they are pretty jump shot reliant, you know, you know what you're going to get with them defensively, and they're going to defend at a pretty high level. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you. I, I kind of want you to elaborate on your. Uh... Uh, your opinion of Quanzo Martin as a really good coach, because I feel like that is not a sentiment that would be echoed by a lot of people, um, especially just kind of due to his time at, uh, at California. So uh, I would just, I'd be interested if you could uh, maybe elaborate on that uh, Quanzo Martin take. Yeah. I mean, I just look, I think, I think it was, you know, I always thought he got kind of a raw deal at Tennessee where he took mm. what were, you know, what wasn't the best roster and and took it to the Sweet 16. And that was an interesting year because that was that year that that Florida goes undefeated in the league and everybody thinks the SEC is terrible other than Florida and Kentucky's super freshman. 
But the reality was, Florida, our, the SEC only gets three teams in the league. They all go to the Sweet 16 mm. uh, or farther. And I thought, you know, I guess the knock on, on Kwanzaa has always been that he recruits at a really high level, but they don't necessarily play particularly well, and and they don't have much of an identity offensively, which I think is still true, like I said. Oh. Highly jump highly jump shot reliant team, but they have always defended well. And I, I did chart this cause I planned on talking a little bit about Missouri and the last two years, at least Missouri's been in the top 60 in defensive efficiency, um, which is pretty good. They were 43rd last year. And then his cows, his cow teams were both in the top 75. So it's not like, you know, there's always something that they can hang their hat on with Quads and Martin teams. And I feel like that matters, especially in a league that's going to be as grinded out from night to night as the SEC is going to be. Well, and uh, to your point about them not um, showing much of an offensive identity last year, uh, I mean, I guess you have to remember, too, he inherited a team that really didn't have a point guard. Like, that's, <laughs> you know, like that doesn't help. Um, I just, I'm remembering, um, you know, when Florida beat them, the uh, that amazing kind of pick six by uh, Chris Chioza. Um, a yeah. lot of, I mean, a lot of the uh, Missouri fans were just livid because they're like, well, we don't even have a guy we can, you know, give the ball to with 10 seconds on the clock and know that he's not going to turn it in a tie game and know he's, you know, he's not going to turn it over it. You know, Cassius Robertson is really good, but he's kind of the scoring guard, maybe a little bit more than, uh, than a point guard. So, uh, which is kind of my other concern about that, uh, about Missouri is just, um, you know, they got good guard play out of Cassius Robertson as a senior, but, um, you know, he's gone and, you know, they didn't really have a point guard last year. And I just wonder what they uh, what they do at that position now. But um, yeah, that is just funny that when when you were saying that they uh, didn't have an identity last year, I was like, yeah, I can kind of see why if they're you know playing some guys out of position at the point guard spot, and they thought they were going to have Michael Porter Jr., who's going to be their probably entire offense, and obviously that didn't work right. out. And uh, uh, yeah, just kind of an atypical year for them in terms of roster makeup. Um, I think we you know. We, we kind of glossed over Kentucky because I imagine as the pod goes on, we'll, we'll spend a lot of time talking about <laughs> right. the Wildcats. Uh, but another team that, that people kind of are, are saying might finish ahead of Florida, that I'm hearing anything from, from second to seventh with the Gators, which I, I personally, and I talked to Kevin Brockway a little bit about it, and we both think seventh is ridiculous. Uh, that. The people think Florida's finishing seventh of the league underestimate both Coach White and this roster. But it is interesting, these Mississippi State. There's a lot of people on this Mississippi State bandwagon. Like preseason magazines. Oh, yeah. I, and I kind of think that there's a, there's reason to, but I, I, there's also reason um, uh, to not, I guess. Just when you look at, again, like you look at the, uh, you look at like Quindary Weatherspoon. I thought he was, um, I thought he was great last year, but I feel like, he everyone has been waiting his entire career for him to kind of go nuclear and just be an incredible player. And uh, it, it never quite happened. And, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I really liked the, uh, I liked the way that they, um, they defended last year. Actually. I thought that uh, whenever I watched them play, I thought they, they played a great brand of defense and um, looking at their numbers, they weren't very good offensively, but uh, I actually thought that what, you know, when I watched them play, they have guys who can go out and get a bucket and um, they can, uh, they have some versatile guys like, to have a to have like a Quindary Weatherspoon or a Nick Weatherspoon have pretty good um, kind of size for their position. They seem to uh, uh, they seem to switch pretty confidently and, and play a couple different roles. And uh, yeah, I, I can kind of uh, that's one that's one team that uh, 
Uh, I, you know, do I think they're going to finish ahead of Florida? I, I don't think so, but uh, <laughs> I do think they're very, very good. Yeah, I, I like Tyson Carter as a guy that I really like. Oh, no. Yeah. That I think is somebody that, that we don't talk a lot about or didn't last year, largely because minutes were an issue. <laughs> but I think um, is it, it's sort of it's sort of combo guard. He, he's like a slightly bigger Michael Claru. Um, you know, he's not a great shooter, but his assisted turnover ratio is really good. And I think he's the kind of guy who can take the pressure off Kendary Weatherspoon a little bit. Um, Lamar Peters is another guy like that, although not necessarily a scorer in the way that Carter can kind of get to the basket and get fouled. So I think Ben Howland has the kind of players that he wants to, to do what he wants to do uh, in his system. And you know that Ben Howland team's always going to play great defense. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll be better. Like, I think they're NCAA tournament good. They played well down the stretch last year and in the SEC tournament. I think a lot of people kind of look at that. But it's a, it's a far lead for me to say that just because Florida lost Chris Chioza, they're going to finish behind Mississippi State now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what's, uh, that's what's pretty funny about Florida. I mean, uh, just how, the, the, how – I guess just how narrative-driven these, um, uh, these kind of preseason polls are. Like, again, like LSU is, is really high in a lot, of, a lot of national preseason top 25s, and a lot of it is due to their incoming recruiting class. Um, but then right. you have, but then, then you have other teams that you're like, oh, well, Nevada returns everyone. So we've got to have them, you know, one or two or three. Um, and then you look at a team like Florida who has a good incoming recruiting class, good, not, not great, but good. Um, and you know, they only lose two players that played minutes last year. So they're kind of in the middle yet the narrative isn't quite like, you know, the recruiting class isn't quite good enough and, uh, they don't have, you know, I guess a high enough profile returner for someone and, and they just fall through the cracks. So it's so narrative driven, just how uh, people's preseason lists yeah. are. And uh, I, I mean, I try not to be kind of a homer about Florida, but you see the justifications for why team, for why teams are put ahead, ahead of Florida. And, you know, it's kind of like um, if you put a team ahead of Florida because you think they have a better recruiting class, you're like, well, Florida has a really good recruiting class and you can kind of artificially add Isaiah Stokes and Chase Johnson to this recruiting class, obviously because of the red shirt. And then if you look at the teams that stay in, you know, people are like, oh, I really like their returning pieces. Then you can, look at Florida and say like, well, they're going to have, you know, a fifth year, um, two, four years and, you know, a red shirt junior in the starting lineup that are all, you know, really high level proven SEC players. And you're just, yeah, you just, uh, you wonder how Florida has gotten the rind of the deal a little bit. <laughs> I, I agree. Should, should we talk about Auburn? Oh, probably should. <laughs> um, uh, so here's an interesting they're, they finished 37th in deficient, defensive efficiency last season. That's the highest number for a Bruce Arena team other than the Vols from 06-07, who were 31st. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good stat you just pulled up there. Yeah. Oh. That's, that's my, uh, that was my thanks Blue Ribbon basketball previews for that. But oh, okay. <laughs> they, um, yeah, I guess that, that that Auburn team defended at a higher level than any Bruce Arena team ever other than one. Um, and now they add bigs. <laughs> yeah, that so, usually helps your defense uh, for a team that didn't have uh, really anyone rolling, uh, you know, over six foot six, especially uh, near the end of the season with injuries. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They're, it's always so hard to – I don't ever know what to do with the Bruce Pearl team. I'll just be real, real frank about it. Um, because 
I know they're going to play. I know there's going to be nights where they look like the best team in the universe. Uh, but that style is not like necessarily conducive to, to tournament play. I don't think there's a reason that he hasn't made a final four. Um, he had final four talent at Tennessee, I think. And, and it didn't happen. Uh, we all saw on, on in real time, live TV, what happened to them in the tournament last year. Uh, I guess that there's an argument that some of the bigs will will fix that. Although you know now we, we're seeing that there's an issue with Wiley at least health wise um, to start the year. I mean, what are your thoughts on on sort of that might be the best starting five in the SEC? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I think that when you have so few, um, this is kind of like what we talked about last week, just about how Florida was pretty easy to prepare for because they didn't have much versatility in their lineup and um, they didn't have that many lineups that they could really. Um, realistically roll out and and Auburn had so little depth last year that um, that was kind of the case for them and I think that kind of caught up to them when it came to um, late season uh, SEC play in the SEC tournament and uh, you know when they just barely squeaked by the Carl- College of Charleston and then got thumped by Clemson I just think uh, teams kind of figured them out and maybe that is also a uh, a fatigue thing when you don't run that many guys but um, when you look at the, when you have the same kind of uh, roster, you've got a whole lot of film to go through, and you can look exactly at uh, at how they uh, how they work, what works for them, what uh, how they can get exploited, and um, then yeah, you see a team that's really well coached, like College of Charleston, almost go out there and beat them in the NCAA tournament. So um, yeah, they're going to have a great starting five, and I think having uh, you know having some eligible guys now for uh, you know however long they're eligible, I guess. Um, will certainly make them uh, a little more versatile. And that's, uh, that makes me really intrigued to watch them. And uh, uh, it makes me definitely intrigued. And I, I definitely do think they'll be, uh, they'll be right at the top of the league. Yeah. Do you think they'll miss Mustafa Heron at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, he was such a high usage guy for them. But I guess, I mean, it seemed like all their, you know, the only guys that were wearing jerseys were all high usage guys for them because uh, <laughs> they had so few guys. Um, but yeah, he's kind of, he's he's just also like, just kind of one of those do-it-all guys. I don't think he shot the ball super well. It wasn't like he had uh, massive assist numbers. It wasn't like he always had the ball in his hands. But he's um, – yeah, he just kind of uh, had a nose to be in the right place at the right time and uh, uh, defensively gave them some of that versatility. He was a pretty big pretty big size when he was playing the two-guard. And, uh, um, yeah, just uh, – yeah, it's it's hard not to think that you'd, uh, you'd miss a guy like that, especially um, – uh, a guy that could have been a veteran for you to lose a guy like that is um, is too bad, but obviously the uh, the situation is is kind of unique for him. Yeah, let's let's talk. I wanted to, to ask you about the new hires. Um, just, I mean, there's there's two Kermit Davis, <laughs> who obviously had a, a ton of success um, at, at Middle Tennessee, and and then uh, Tom Green, who kind of up and down in Indiana where I, I honestly, I thought it was an interesting hire for Georgia, but I'm kind of interested to hear what your thoughts on. Yeah. I think it gives Georgia name recognition that that program desperately needs uh, to kind of get some eyeballs on it. Um, their facilities aren't great. I know they, they gave Stegman a, a, a facelift a year ago, but I was up there. It's still not very nice, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but they also get to recruit Atlanta and they're Georgia and, and there's there's an element of this idea that Kirby Smart borrows from Nick Saban that, you know, everything should be important to make football better and and I know that's something that, that their athletic director who came from Florida, Greg McGarity, subscribes to. You know, which hire impressed you more? Because I, I might be in the minority in, in 
from a pure basketball standpoint, I might actually like the Davis hire a little better. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the uh, the Georgia one. Um, I. Uh, uh, I, I talked, I was shaped a little bit of this by talking to, um, I was talking to, so there's a player that Florida is going after in 2021, um, Kwasi Reeves and, um, his dad has a, has a website that's called hype South that covers, uh, Georgia basketball. So I was talking to him about the, uh, the, uh, the Tom Crean hire. And I think, and he kind of helped, you know, helped shape my opinion of this, but, uh, yeah, that's a state with really good, uh, basketball talent. And I think they were, uh, they were tired of losing it all to, uh, um, to, uh, to someone else. And I mean, if you hire, a I, like I really like Kermit Davis, but if you get a guy kind of like that, it's probably not going to instantly want to make those guys stay home. Um, but a guy like Tom Crean will. But um, from a basketball standpoint, I find Tom Crean so like you said at best, he had ups and downs. Like uh, it just never seemed like he had a team that was like just, you know a, a fringe top twenty-five team or in that range. It was just like either they were right up at the top on the best teams in the country, or they were kind of underachieving and, and on the NCAA tournament bubble. So uh, it's been, when he was at Indiana long enough to, you know, it's obviously like he kept, he's recruiting his own guys. He's setting his own lineups when you, when you're uh, uh, at a school for that long. So you do wonder what, what kind of led to some of those ups and downs. So, um, but yeah, from a basketball standpoint, I think for the last few years, since, um, since they upset um, uh, Michigan State, I think a lot of people were wondering who was going to be the one to uh, to kind of win the Kermit Davis st- sweepstakes. And uh, uh, <laughs> for so for that reason, also um, the fact that you know Kareem uh, was most uh, most recently in a broadcast booth, not behind a bench somewhere. I think I would give the 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 nod to uh, Kermit Davis from a uh, to, to kind of win right now to be. Uh, uh, basketball wise I guess like you said but if Tom Crean catches up it'll probably be because of his ability to recruit and uh, that'll be interesting to watch uh, Tom Crean's gonna listen to this and, and go all Jimmy Butler on us I think oh. <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. completely <laughs> completely disregarding his Marquette time but I mean what other what other league in the country has like two of their like two of their bottom teams in the league and their two coaching hires are Tom Crean and Kermit Davis like that also just speaks so much to how good the SEC is when two of your bottom programs are able to, to get guys like that and um, will probably be elevated being pretty good right away because of it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Ole Miss, from a facility standpoint, you know, had huge upgrades years ago that, that Andy Kennedy really wanted, and they gave him to him after he won the SEC tournament. And now Kermit Davis is kind of in a nice situation there. Although, as you noted, you're just not – anywhere near as good a basketball area to recruit, especially with one thing that's going to hurt Kermit or make it harder is the higher Memphis. Cause that's a place that Ole Miss oh, yeah. really relies on. And I have a feeling the city is going to be pretty much closed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, that higher, that higher is probably going to hurt Calipari too. So, you know, I think I, I'll take it as the, uh, the guy looking <laughs> from the outside. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing with Crean. I mean, um, those teams are really hot and cold. And then the other question I had is, and I'm sure he'll get facilities upgrades, and I know he's telling recruits already, from from what I understand, at least brief conversations with Kyle started it. It was another guy that, that Florida looked at for a long time um, and that, that had committed to Georgia for all of five seconds. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I, I know that, that Coach Cream was definitely selling, like, you know, it, the, it won't look the same facilities-wise by the time you leave. And – you know, that's a great thing to say. Um, but what we have to remember about his tenure at Indiana is you are given everything you need to win at Indiana. Everything. Mm. And 
he was just never able to build a consistent winner there, which is baffling to me. Um, so, you know, I kind of asterisk that hire and say, it's a great name and it'll draw attention to the Georgia program, but you know, he needs to get it going in a hurry for the credibility to kind of stick around, I think. Yeah. I think that there's definitely like the, the guys that are college basketball fans, um, they, you know, they know who Kermit Davis is and they think that's an awesome hire, but that, you know, that doesn't quite have the same punch to some maybe more casual basketball fans or right. casual college basketball fans that definitely know cream. And, um, uh, that's, uh, that's maybe an interesting litmus test, I guess, to see whether people would be more excited about, uh, um, a Kermit Davis hire or a Tom Crean hire because Kermit Davis was, uh, yeah, he's definitely still was a little bit of a, of a niche kind of, you know, college basketball, like real college basketball fans knew what he did at middle Tennessee, but, um, yeah, lots of other people knew him from, uh, from amazing gifs on Twitter or, uh, um, you know, <laughs> the guy who coached Jimmy Butler in college. So, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, the big question I think a lot of people have, and I want to come back to this question, say, after Florida plays Butler. By the way, awesome piece from Eric this week at Gator Country on the Florida Butler game, which is super intriguing. Um, and it's never too early to, to, like, geek out and read a piece like that, so check <laughs> it out. Um, shameless plug for Eric's stuff. but I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Uh Who's who's a team who could be this year's Tennessee? I have my answer, but we're we're gonna get booed off the Homer stage. Okay, <laughs> who can make Tennessee like run to the to the SEC title this year? What's a program you look at and you go, ah, that program's flying under the radar a little bit, and that team's gonna be really good. Okay, if oh, if I had to say, mm, I think I would have to go. I think I'd go with Alabama. Um, just kind of for a team that's, uh, yeah, definitely a little bit uh, kind of under the radar. I think they get talked about maybe some of the least because they're not in that upper echelon. They're also didn't have a great coaching hire at the bottom. But um, I'm interested to see how they play now with uh, without Colin Sexton. And I, I mean, I loved Colin Sexton, but he's, um, you know, the ball definitely stuck with him offensively. And uh, he was an elite defender, but I think that that team's probably going to keep defending at a high level um, without him. And uh, I think that uh, yeah, I think that, that with the chances for some of these other guys to um, uh, to get some more consistent uh, offense going, I think we'll be able to see a little bit more about what Avery Johnson is like offensively. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess if there was a it was <laughs> when you gave the um, the parameters of a Tennessee like team, I was I was trying to think who's about in that range. And uh, I feel like that I feel like because the league is kind of considered so good, so many teams are kind of on the radar. But I'll say. Uh, I'll say Alabama, and uh, I'm very interested to see what you say. So um, my answer is Vanderbilt, uh, and I think I think my answer is really Florida, but but I think <laughs> I, I think it's hard to say that a team that that played a road game in the second round and and was a three pointer from overtime is gonna take anyone by too much surprise, um, especially when it's a brand name like Florida. So I, I'll I'll kind of. I'll push back on that a little bit. And, and I like the Alabama shot because I love Tevin Mack. Um, oh, nice. Who I think makes Alabama a lot better and a lot more diverse offensively than they were last year. But so Vanderbilt adds Darius Garland, um, who I think is a marvelous player. They were already extraordinarily efficient offensively last year. Anyway, I don't think a lot of that changes even without Riley chance. Um, I think they'll, de- they'll, de- they'll defend better. And they're another team that 
a lot like Florida was fairly easy to, to match up with. You know, it's pretty easy to figure out what they were doing. Uh, I think they'll be harder to play this year with, with their their two top ten recruiting classes now solely in place and kind of Bryce Drew can have a chance to just have that big breakout season that I think he's a hire that's going to have that. They're going to have success under him, and maybe that's this season, maybe a year ahead of schedule. So it, it's it's funny that you mentioned them defending better because uh, I was writing an article a little while ago about Vanderbilt, and um, I was uh, I was thinking to myself like, well, I don't think that they're very uh, they were very good defensively. I mean, then I kind of wondered if their best players next year are freshmen, are they still going to be able to defend better? Because yeah. you know, having <laughs> uh, having having freshmen, um, they usually just don't defend at high level. Even though you know, like Chatu is a monster athlete, so he should be an awesome defender right away. And uh, Garland as well is a great athlete. He should be a good defender. Um, but then I looked at Ken Palm and their defense was 219th in the country last year. And that was, you know, <laughs> I thought they, I thought they were bad, but I didn't think they were that bad. So I kind of, I kind of shifted to uh, thinking that they, yeah, they have to defend better. Cause I feel like there's no way they can be, uh, they can be worse than that. I, I suppose. So um, I, I, I do think that they'll defend better, like you said. And I also have one other funny uh, kind of Ken Palm note about um about Vanderbilt um so like Ken Palm has the uh, the home court advantage um element to it where it's a, so to me I'm like well Florida always sucks at Memorial Gym and it's the weirdest gym um you know in ever so they like they must have one of the best home court advantages in the in the league and uh, Ken Palm only says that they have the 158th best home court advantage wow so yeah and I'm shocked by that and obviously that is uh, you know maybe that that's a pretty uh, a pretty unique stat in what it's uh, the way it works and uh, you know you can look at it it's a pretty interesting um, kind of algorithm I guess but I, I was very surprised to know that they they have uh, they only have the 158th best home court advantage in the country um, but <laughs> yeah it's it, which launches to a firm number one when uh, when Florida rolls into town yeah no I, I always I always joke with people and said well. You have to start Florida at least one and one in the league at best. <laughs> that, that assumes that Kayvon Allen hits a step back, ridiculous three at the buzzer to beat Vanderbilt, right? At home. Yes. Well, I think, uh, yeah. Well, Mike White is one and six against Vanderbilt now in his, in his career. And uh, yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's at a, he's at a tough time against them, uh, but yeah, especially on the road. But Jeff Roberson has graduated Gator fans. So <laughs> No more near triple doubles to lose to Vanderbilt teams, thanks to the inability to even come close to guarding Jeff Roberson. Yes, Jeff uh, Roberson, a noted giant killer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, but I think, you know, I, I, that's that's wild to me. I did see that they were the stat I wrote down was three hundred forty sixth in luck. Oh wow. Uh, uh, there's only 351, so it, you can't get much worse than that. And then they, they even regress to the mean a little bit. You're talking about an NIT team, right? I mean, and, and some of that is things like Riley LeChance having two free throws to beat Kentucky and, and missing both. You know? Yeah. Is, I mean, there's the way that the luck statistic is calculated. You know, the odds of that based on LeChance's traditional free throw ability are – are almost astronomical and just that kind of thing. So um, obviously he's gone, but Garland was a big guy. I mean, that was a, that was a guy that they beat Duke and Villanova for that Jay Wright really wanted. 
Um, so, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're a year ahead of schedule. But like I said, I really think it's Florida. I think Florida is capable of winning the SEC. I think there's a – we'll get real deep into the Gators um, right before the season starts. But I think, you know, I, there's some there's some ifs there. But this is a, this is a maybe I think the most balanced team the Whites have. Oh, I think so. I uh, definitely. And uh, just again, to have what's looking like 13 healthy guys that um, at least should be healthy by the time the season kind of rolls around. Uh, I, I I don't think many teams in the country really have that. And, uh, you know, conceivably that's 13 guys that could all get minutes. So um, at least in terms of, uh, you know, you assume all the returning guys are obviously capable of getting minutes. And so are uh, all the guys that got active from red shirts or, uh, um, or the incoming freshmen. So, um, yeah, it's hard to imagine um, him. This might be the deepest team he ever has, to be quite frank. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, who, who, you know, and the, another one I want to revisit in December, just kind of have this out there. But you have a you have a guy in mind for kind of either, you know, the guy who's going to is going to be must-see TV or the guy you think is going to be SEC Player of the Year. Maybe they, Maybe it's the same person. Although usually not. Yeah, I think that's uh, I, I think it might be the same person, but I mean, I think we already discussed him. I think it's Tremont Waters because he is so fun to watch. Just um, the way he could pass the ball um, was was incredible, and he's also an electric scorer at the same time. Uh, I, I just he's really fun to watch. Cheering for an under kind of undersized guard like that, it's is easy. And uh, you add in that. That team, I still, yeah, I'm still not totally sure what the uh, what the rest of the offense is going to come from. So I think he might just be able to put up tons of numbers and be uh, be super high usage. So, um, and I mean, you look at the other guys that I think are going to be probably at the top of the league uh, in terms of like player of the year, like um, obviously Grant Williams again, and uh, you know uh, Reed Travis or, or Jonte Porter. I, those are all really good players, um, but I don't know if they're quite as exciting to watch as as Tremont Waters. So. Uh, I think that um, in terms of who are the most fun players to watch, I think Tremont Waters is up there. Um, I'll throw in my homer. I think Jalen Hudson's straight up one of the funnest players to watch. Um, I think that Daniel Gafford is going to be super fun to watch, even though that team is not going to be very good because he's going to throw down ridiculous dunks. And um, yeah, I, I, those are probably my most, uh, the most fun players that to, to watch, I think. No, I like it. I like uh, the one I would add, I think. Is probably well. I like Jonte Porter. I just really like, Henry, but um, Keldon Johnson. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know where John Calipari used what he says. All these. That's another reason the Scotty Lewis thing was so surprising. Is that like they always have that that wing who is just so difficult to to deal with, and he's another one. He might be the most explosive one they've had to the bas- that gets to the basket in a while and. And I don't know. I think he's going to be kind of a must-see TV guy. A guy, guy we didn't give much attention to. And it's funny that, like, uh, I, I've actually seen some NBA draft.net, like, comparisons to Matt Bonner, which is funny because it's, like, black Matt Bonner, but Eric Coleman from Miss State. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's a funny comparison. I like that. Yeah, isn't that hilarious? Because he's a pick-and-pop guy, right? But, well, I mean – Oh yeah, we did forget to talk about him, but yeah, like you see, like um, just the way that kind of uh, we are talking about uh, about the the Witherspoons, and then um, you know you add you add him to the mix, just how tough that team is is going to be to guard, and um, yeah, he'll put up some uh, some pretty interesting numbers at times, I think. Yeah, shot forty four percent from from beyond the arc last year, and it wasn't like on a small number of attempts. 
I mean, he was, he was, he was taking three three-pointers a game. So Yeah, like that's a pretty tough lineup to guard if it's the Weatherspoons and Tyson Carter, like you said, like, and, then, and then Holman. I mean, that's actually a pretty, that's a pretty difficult lineup to match up with, actually. Yeah, I mean, he's not, you know, Holman's not a great defender or rebounder, which might also be some of the <laughs> – some of the Bonner stuff, although I think he's a better shot blocker than 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 Matt ever was. But but anyway, it was it's an interesting NBA draft express comparison. I was like, oh, who are they going to compare him to? And then I I like did a double take and <laughs> Matt Bonner. I was like, all right, Some... they, they think highly of his shooting ability. Yeah, that's a that that'd be a lot of fun. I'm just looking uh, out of curiosity. I was I have looked up Matt Bonner's shot blocking stats while at Florida. Um, he, uh, as a, <laughs> as a freshman, he blocked 0.3 shots per game, then yes. 0.4 shots per, per game. Then as a, as a junior really peaked, um, at 0.7 shots per game. And then, um, as a senior, he was 0.6 shots uh, blocked per game. So for a career average of 0.5 block shots per game at Florida, which is, which is half of Eric Holman's 1.27. So, oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, he's blocking a whole shot of game there at at, <laughs> at Miss State. So uh yeah, I mean that's that's kinda that's our, our sneak peek uh, mid October <laughs> at the uh at the SEC. Um Gators season ticket holders are gonna get their season I got mine today, so that's kinda fun. Um gonna get their season tickets in the next couple days. Um, there'll be a Kevin Brockway segment on this, you know, and then, uh, like I said, we're going to have Jake Winderman next week and kind of dive into the Gators a little bit. Um, I don't know if we'll talk about just the backcourt or we'll, we'll get into the, maybe just the backcourt and the wings or, or something of that nature. But, um, Eric, thanks for your time again tonight and, and everybody, uh, thanks for, thanks for all the support when we, when we launched, cause that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, that was great, everyone. I, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, interacting with everyone a little bit more on Twitter and stuff as we, uh, as we get into uh, Florida basketball season, which I think we are all very, very excited for. Yeah, we have a, we're, we're on Twitter, uh, Florida BB Hour, at Florida BB Hour. Um, I'll shoot out a tweet this week just kind of asking for, for listener questions, and we'll get Eric to retweet it and, and figure out, you know, what you guys want to know and, and try to answer your questions the best we can to kind of make that a regular segment. All right. All right.